0: Welcome to the Best Interest Podcast, hosted by Jesse Kramer, where we discuss today's best ideas in personal finance and investing. The Best Interest is a personal podcast meant for entertainment purposes only. It should not be taken as financial advice and is not prescriptive of your financial situation. Here's your host, Jesse Kramer. Hi, folks, and welcome to Episode 11 of the Best Interest Podcast. My name is Jesse Kramer. I'm excited to welcome Justin Knackpill. Onto the podcast today. Justin is a podcaster in his own right. He hosts the Road to Wealth podcast. And I give Justin a ton of credit. He reached out to me on Twitter about sharing some podcast ideas. So we hopped onto a Zoom call and we had a great conversation. And I thought, man, we should do that again, except we should record it this time. So that's what we did. We, uh, we cover a few different topics in today's interview and not limited to uh, how Justin's views on money have changed due to him having two young kids. We also talk about money Twitter, this interesting community of like-minded finance and investing nerds and how it's, it's mostly awesome but it has some interesting flaws. We cover a lot and we have some really cool sidebars along the way. So without further ado, here's my interview with Justin Nackpill from the Road to Wealth podcast. All right, folks, I'm here with Justin Nackpill, host of the Road to Wealth podcast. Justin, how are you? Jesse, I'm great. Good evening, man. Yeah. See, I know you're out in Chicago. You're an hour behind me here. But uh, yeah, we're recording this on Friday, April 16th. And uh You know justin i wanted to start this conversation kind of it's a bit of a meta question because you and i we got into podcasting around the same time so i was hoping you could talk a little bit about what got you started on the road to wealth podcast
1: yeah the the podcast has always been something i've always consumed as a medium uh you know in a non-pandemic time i was always traveling like on a train or on a plane somewhere um and it filled the time and obviously when Last year, when we were shut down and working from home, I needed to find another channel um to to do it. So, um, what inspired it for me to even create one was um, I've always been interested in personal finance, and this at least allowed me to pretty much flex that creative skill that I, it's probably been lacking for some time, man. And it's uh, it's that's pretty much why it started. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so to like you know explore topics explain topics like uh how how do you perceive yourself kind of interacting with your audience or or with the people that you you've had on the podcast
1: yeah that's a great question for for me it's always been about storytelling i I think the 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 aspect of it uh especially because we we found each other on twitter which we'll Mm -hmm. obviously get into but um i think with the forms of medium that we always consume now whether it be social media with twitter or instagram those words can be static sometimes so the nuance and narrative can get lost right so uh what i why, why i wanted to create the podcast was to you know bring light to that you know share my thoughts where it's you know more than 280 characters and the more i've adopted it i'm i'm curious you know how how it is for you but um for me i've noticed more joy in talking to other people and dis- you know discovering this community online and really not only know their story but also convey you know really what their philosophies and you know their, their journeys have been so right um, yeah completely makes sense
0: I, the idea of pulling on that thread to tease out a conversation is totally something that i see here in the in the podcasting medium and i've heard other people talk about it as reasons why they like podcasts either to listen to podcasts or, or perhaps podcast hosts themselves talk about right the ability to kind of have a conversation to tease out an idea because as much as on say Twitter or even in the blogging world, there's sometimes where people just want super concise short information. I don't really want to have to read uh, paragraphs. And, and people literally say, if you show me a block of text, my eyes just kind of glaze over, even if it's, you know, going to take you 15 seconds to read. So part of our brains want that material, but obviously for a ton of people, we want to hear ideas fleshed out. So I think podcasts are a great, a great way of doing that.
1: And I'll add to that too, Jesse. I think the, why I love the podcast form is you can sense tone and emotion Mm -hmm. and in a lot of ways too, especially when, you know, with the recent interviews I've had, you also see where they are in their journey, right? When they say, you know, on a screen, when you're scrolling, they paid off $40,000 of debt. That's great. But. You know, there's there's nuance to, you know, that that emotion that comes through it, especially if they're relieved. Is it regretful? Like I think, you know, we can get to your point, we get to pull on those strings a little bit more and get to the, the deeper core of it.
0: Speaking of tone, this is this, I, I don't want to take this thing off the rails too quickly, but something I, I tell people all the time at work is that uh, it is so hard to convey tone with writing. And it's also very hard to interpret tone through writing. It's hard for both both parties. And so when I'll have people say in an email chain at work, either getting upset or being confused or getting frustrated over emails, you got to pick up the phone at some point and just hash things out and hear the tone and and ask the questions that are maybe hard to write out over email, but easy once you can kind of talk your way through it. Uh, And I think people more and more are a little reluctant to pick up the phone. Texting is so easy. Email is so easy. But uh, humans were made to talk to one another. And uh, we we evolved to kind of sense each other's tones. And yeah, this is this is a great way to do it. And obviously, in the personal finance space, just like you alluded to, um, numbers on a screen are cool to look at. But it's always interesting to hear someone's story. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I think that means so much, right? You know, if you're working, you get that you know, immediate response—that's so visceral. And who knows where you are in your mind at that mind in that moment. So sometimes you you take it some type of way where you're like, "What the heck's wrong with that person?" Yeah. But you know, it, I think you need that that narrative of a dialogue because I think it it tells a bigger picture than you know reading text on a screen. So one one thought I had,
0: Justin, mm-hmm. I think it's it's something that right now I've got I've got my brother has two young kids. A bunch of my close friends uh, have young kids, say, under the age of two or three or are pregnant. And my understanding is that you have young kids. And so I've, I'm, I'm curious. I've asked some of my friends this question, and I have some of their answers. But I want to hear your answer. In what ways your finances or maybe your mindset about finances, uh, in what ways your mindset has changed since having kids, whether it's you know good, bad, ugly, somewhere in between? how have kids affected your personal finances
1: that's that's a great question so so uh, full disclosure i have two young boys um uh, both under the age of 5 mm-hmm. um and i'm not sure if it was the same for you man but um you know i'm in my mid 30s and with your close friends you have this piece at the end of your 20s when you graduate from the partying and bar hopping to you know engagements bachelor and bachelorette parties <laughs> weddings um, and then that turns into obviously having kids and homes, um, so it is a very expensive time in your life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and it's so funny because you know during those moments, you know, depending on where you are, especially if you don't have the financial knowledge, you just get into the, you know, the regularity of either incurring debt or, you know, putting because you're trying to build your life, right? And we we always feel as you know, um, especially here in the states. You kind of have to just continually build and um, buy, buy things in order to construct that that piece. Um, and when you get kids, um, and especially when you're on that debt journey or you know, for us, you know me being the finance nerd, we were kind of in this con- construct where we were still paying off debt while we, we were also trying to learn how to be parents. And I recognize too that you know as a young father, you know, it's it's more of a responsibility now to really teach them not only the emotion around money but also the psychology of it and you know i I, for me it's always been a challenge you know growing up um i I had a recent guest on my podcast um uh uh, cyril who um, both him and i are uh, children of immigrants Mm -hmm. and you know our psychology of money growing up was different than how we're going to be uh, doing with our kids you know for example like my parents they migrated from the philippines back you know probably the late 60s early 70s so their whole intention was just to survive and to assimilate to america so this idea of generational wealth and investing was such a foreign concept to them right um versus for me i now have that responsibility not to only build myself but also to pass that education and knowledge on to my children so um yeah that's a, my long way of answering it but uh i think it, it's definitely changed as far as you know the responsibility and really just I think it's it's vital now you know we've always talked about on the internet right financial literacy is 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 a requirement and i think it, it has to be passed on to you know our kin
0: gotcha gotcha so you're you're talking about already kind of thinking ahead to teaching them teaching them lessons the right lessons quote unquote right from the beginning um and but you also alluded to kind of some of your own personal mindset change or just I can relate to it as well. In a few short years, you go from kind of the the social maven lifestyle, hopping around, doing all the fun things and spending all the money that comes along with doing the fun things to now, you know, maybe your, your fun weekend things involve the kids. Right. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. We've, go- we've essentially traded, you know, um, all you can drink mimosa brunches with uh, <laughs> staying in at home and, you know, cooking eggs and bacon. So
0: have you found, Justin, you know, you don't have to divulge any secrets about your own budget, but have you found that certain parts of your budget have probably decreased, but have other parts equally increased? Or have you kind of been able to maintain a fairly steady course um, despite the added expenses that that kids do bring into your life?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great piece. And I actually was, you know, prepare our budget every month, right? So um, if I really reflect back um, you know, when it was just my wife, obviously we would dine out, you know, living in, in the Chicagoland area, we have great restaurants, a great bar scene, um, you know, a great network of friends. So we always wanted to socialize, um, so that, you know, the rest, the restaurant and bar budget obviously has gone down and obviously the, what's gone up is childcare, food at home. Um, you know, our trips to, you know, our, Kroger Kroger Mariano's is, 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 you know, is significantly up where we're, we're spending more time at home and, and obviously in a pandemic, right. You know, we're kind of forced to do that. Um, but, you know, we're more conscious of, you know, th- those leaks, right? And, you know, things like Amazon or a Target pickup, you know, those tend to kind of bleed. Um, but we try to predict those as best as we can. But it's hard because the needs of children um, can, can change, right? So outside right. of daycare payments, right, you know, they may have a, a pediatrician bill that we have to, you know, we didn't anticipate. Um, you know, for example, like we're going through speech therapy with our youngest. So that has some fluctuation as well. Um, and you know, those are just unpredictable things that we try to stay ahead of, but it's difficult.
0: That's really interesting. So it's almost like an emergency fund in a way, but it's not like they're necessarily huge emergencies. It's just that there are lots of unforeseen little things that come up here and there that at the beginning of the month, it wasn't on your mind at all, but now it's here and it's, it's part of the most important thing in your life, your family. So you need to address it.
1: Yeah. And, and also for new parents as well, especially if you have friends that are also having children around you, most likely they're going to have a baptism, a birthday party. So we always try to predict like, okay, we now got to get, you know, this gift for our friend's kid, you know, because their birthday's coming up that month, right? We want to be good friends. So those are things that, you know, because we're so in, engulfed with our jobs, our children, you know, operating the home, those social activities tend to take You know uh, kind of a backseat sometimes so we're always trying to stay ahead of it um but yeah i would say always you know try to budget for that if you can um so just so you're you know predicting it especially if you're money nerds like jesse and i
0: (laughs) right right that is definitely true um let me go pull back on that thread about some of the lessons that that you're teaching your kids because i've just been thinking over the last couple minutes back to my childhood and you know, maybe a few of the lessons from my parents about money were overt, but a lot of them were, were maybe more covert, where it was more of just, you know, we grew up in the country and parts of our kind of country lifestyle, whether it was uh, gardening and having a lot of our food in the summer come from the garden or kind of the classic, you know, I was the youngest of three boys, so hand me down clothes. I, I could just, I remember parts of my childhood growing up and looking back on them now realizing, oh, those are just smart frugal decisions. That weren't necessarily intentional lessons, but I think were imprinted on me. Not to steer you down that course or anything, but I'm just kind of curious: what kind of lessons are you are you imprinting on on your children, or are you teaching your children about money?
1: I think it's just the basics, right? Just you know, uh, taking inventory of what they have. I think they're you know, especially you know, young kids, right? You know, they don't know better as far as um, you know what you know the abundance that they have. You know, around them, right? Especially if we're getting a significant amount of toys for Christmas. You know, like I, you know, we're we're very blessed to have you know family members that really do spoil them. Okay. Um. But we also try to have them realize because, you know, if you give so much, like I, I noticed that today, like we had toys all over the freaking house, right? And it's kind of scattered where they don't really stick and play with one toy, right? They just kind of pick and choose, you know, throughout the day, man, and. In a way, it's like we have to allow them to focus, but also be indirectly gracious with what they have. It's hard to do, right? Um, But we also have to like put those habits in them. Like, hey, you know, you 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 took care of this toy. Now you got to take care of it and and move it along, so you could transition to the next toy. Small things like that, where just at least triggers psychologically. Like, you know, there is a finite amount of time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know, you know, as they grow older, we're gonna teach them that you know to get those toys it, there is a scarce resource which is money that buys these things right um and you know as a five-year-old and a, you know the, the three-year-old it, it's hard to convey right now because those concepts aren't you know uh completely concrete for them but right, right. over time you know even for us for me and my wife we're, we're gonna have to figure it out
0: so that completely makes sense it is it is very hard to not spoil your loved ones um or you know spoil might not be the right verb there but you you want the best for your loved ones and you want them to to give them the things that they're going to enjoy um, but what you just said completely makes sense in that right i mean it's it's hard to teach a three-year-old about this thing we call money this construct that we call money but it might be easier to teach a three-year-old about picking up your toys after yourself and just some of the, some of those basic things that down the road are going to be the building blocks to then tell these these stories about money that hey if you can learn as a kid that is phenomenal because as we've learned justin a lot of people don't learn those stories until maybe you know their mid-20s their late 20s their early 40s um to,
1: to harp on that um i'm not sure i think when we initially talked you know i always make the joke of when we were getting out of credit card debt you know i was probably still paying for the round of shots that i bought you know in my early 20s in my 30s right just because of the interest that accrued and you know that concept to me really motivated me to say like you know screw that i i don't want that to be the mark of you know my life where i'm still having to pay you know this you know experience from so many years ago
0: well speaking of when we initially spoke you know you and i first connected over twitter which in many ways, is a phenomenal medium for meeting like-minded people. Uh, you know, some of the some of the grief that Twitter gets is the echo chambers that it's create that it creates, yeah. which I think you and I almost haven't been exposed to. If I were to guess, or, or maybe you have an alternate Twitter account, but at least on quote unquote our side of Twitter, uh, Twitter has probably siloed us into this echo chamber where we tend to talk to other people who are thinking about personal finance and investing, thinking about their futures, trying to build something bigger than themselves. And it ends up being a place of kind of this boundless enthusiasm most of the time, which is, it's very refreshing. Sometimes maybe it can be a bit over the top, but um, so I wanted to talk a little bit, and, and you had some great comments as well in our emails. Um, about just all the different personalities or maybe the agendas of the people that we we see on Twitter because really they're real people in the real world it's not like Twitter is some alternate universe um so we have you know blogging people side income people people who have podcasts like me and you so I'm just curious justin you know what what are your thoughts on money Twitter on our side of Twitter
1: yeah that's a good frame and you know for for those that are foreign to uh this little side community uh i'm gonna uh, give a shout out to kyle uh him and i talked um <laughs> he talked about it's a little corner of the internet uh-huh uh, yep uh where we kind of found one another and to your user your words jesse it's, there's a lot of exuberance um and i did have a i do have an alternate twitter as well um where i follow and you're you know sometimes it, it's such a consuming and you can Get go into some black holes to say the least. You get just sucked in, right? Um, but why I created the Road to Wealth Pod uh, handle was to find like-minded people. And I think uh, I do want to address that piece where you know if you if you use social media as you know y- you get what you give kind of thing and you make the most of most of it. So if you have if you're following folks that are either negative or you know they bring you down or there's just a lot of Again, tone where it doesn't really lift your spirits, um, you're probably consuming the wrong content. And you know, at least with our community and the, and the folks that you follow, you you're you're a result of that, right? Like you're a reflection of the, the your timeline in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, many folks are positive, promoting obviously you know their business or anything along the lines of investing and and, and finding out. And I feel like it's the be- the best cheer section that you can actually be a part of. For free, um, and what I loved about it was, you know, just like anything, especially when you're starting something, you you you're kind of like that awkward person at a party where you're just kind of <laughs> like, "Hi, I'm Justin. <laughs> I do this, yeah," and then you're just starting to like, you know, posts and as well as you know, comments on things, and you just start to follow other folks, and it just it just becomes a lot more uh, collaborative, um, and then. For me, it took a lot of strength and a lot of courage to, you know, reach out to yourself, Jesse, and, and other folks that um, uh, I featured on, on my podcast, but it takes a little bit of courage to do that first because at first you're kind of lost because one, you need an identity to, you know, really just kind of project yourself, frankly, to strangers <laughs> right? Um, and ensure, yeah, you're not getting into a troll, you know, a troll thread or Anything along, the lines, along those lines, and I think you know if you're at least savvy across those social media ba- uh, boundaries, you're going to do you're going to do great on on the platform.
0: Right. Well, I, I commend you because just like you said, it does take some courage to essentially reach out to strangers. Uh, it's it's kind of like networking, right? Like it's at a party, or or in this case, in a in a semi professional sense, where we have these projects that we're trying to grow, and right on the one hand you could you could look at us and say that that Justin you had to have you know the courage to reach out to me but one interesting thing is you know at the same time we're peers and and you know what while your account was quote unquote new it was what four mo- like to me like 4 months newer than mine or, you know, so it is kind of it's all kind of <laughs> funny and relative and it's one thing that i have found to be certainly true is that uh, the internet can sometimes change change the, the the focus on your scope, and it can make you believe that just because uh, Bob has thirty thousand followers, that he is somehow in a different hierarchy than you. And hey, I gotta tell you, Bob's just another human being with you know his his flaws and his issues as well. And one thing that I found really refreshing is that there are a lot of people in our community who have. Pretty significant reach, including reach to you know people outside our community and are interacting with, be it you know laureate economists or Wall Street Journal authors. But then they'll they'll message you and I just like we're regular people because we are all regular people. Uh, and one of the refreshing things I think about putting myself out there that I've learned through blogging and podcasting is that everyone out there is really regular and. Uh, that, that they wanna they wanna talk to you, they want to interact with you, and oftentimes they wanna help you along the way,
1: yeah, you know that's a great point, Jesse. I think the one aspect that you get a little bit of imposter syndrome where you're like, do I belong in this space and I think the more that you just you know strike up the courage, especially because we are such a welcoming community, I think it's just a matter of just trying right um I've done a similar thing where you know people um you know that have and i you know I'm not trying to speak like I have thousands of followers because I don't um. But even the one that either just joined and you know made at least a, a comprehensive comment, <laughs> to say the least, mm-hmm. it's not more of just like great job. Um, it, <laughs> it's more so like a little bit more in depth than you know picking apart whatever I tweeted. Um, I'll message them, you know, especially you know if 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 I kind of scour their tweets or whatever, um, just to kind of pick their brain on things. And I think you know that that rhythm has helped me to you know gain more confidence on the platform, invite. Uh, people on, on my podcast just to talk through because, you know, I feel like they have something great to share, man.
0: Yeah. Uh, I just had a, a nice fella named Sam reach out to me today through DMS just to kind of ask
1: finances with Sam.
0: Uh, no, I think it's a newer account. His name okay. is Sam Galloway. And I okay. believe his handle is at Sam Galloway and Sam just reached out to say, Hey, uh, you know, I've seen you around here. I noticed you write some longer threads. And, and I wrote this longer thread today on budgeting, and I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind, A, critiquing the thread, just give me your thoughts, and B, kind of maybe if you had some tips about how to make this account grow, how to make my account grow, maybe how to leverage Twitter to help my progress and my, my, uh, my projects a little bit more. And the one thing I mentioned to Sam is kind of what you just said, Justin, which is that it's a place that really rewards Uh, interaction, and especially meaningful interaction. So I mentioned how some of our mutual friends, people like Brandon from rinky do finance, who was on Episode 10 of the podcast, um, Adam Schaup, who was on uh, was recently on the road to wealth podcast, how good they are at interacting with the community in a positive way and providing some some substance, um, letting people know kind of in a very nice way, hey, I'm here. And the reason why you know i'm here is because I'm, I'm commenting on that question you just asked and i'm trying to give you the, the best answer that i can give you people notice that and they say man this guy brandon this guy adam this guy justin they're constantly adding value to my experience here and and next thing you know those those are the accounts that are that are growing
1: you know i want to bring up something just here on this because uh and i'm curious how your uh and it's up to you if you want to share you know your your, your personal network around you but for me, there there are very few folks, uh, friends and fa- even family, where, you know, obviously money is still very much a, a touchy subject, right? So uh, whether it be, you know, growing your business or, you know, your online presence, but specifically around the investment component, many of my, you know, close friends and family are just like, eh, I don't know if I want to share that with Justin kind of thing. And, you know, there's there's healthy ways of having those dialogues. But what I found with at least this community, total strangers, mind you, on Twitter, that they're totally open to talking through it. And, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, we're roughly around the same, you know, boomer millennial generation. Right. And, you know, even if you're, you know, not within our demographic, you know, even folks that are older that have hit, you know, a financial independence number, or, you know, they've, you know, retired they're, you know, they have a lot of knowledge and wealth that you can kind of gain just by that personal connection through the money, Twitter community. So, um, in a way it's helped me grow um and and frankly step outside my boundaries of you know my own social circle because that's you know not a, a very you know it's a taboo thing and still in a lot of a lot of ways right
0: the, the taboo nature of money is something that we've that I've talked about here before and then just like you said it's something that uh i understand why it's taboo but i don't necessarily think it should be or i think there are so many healthy conversations that we avoid because we say that that the that the topic is taboo. Same thing goes with politics, right? And I think there are a lot of really healthy conversations that you could have about politics, oh, but the problem is, you know, 10% of the time, loved ones end up screaming at each other and getting in fights. And because of that minority outcome, we tend to try to avoid the subject altogether. And I, I think with money, it's often the same way. Um, but it is a really interesting point that you kind of brought up midway through there, that, that last statement, Justin, about kind of the, the freedom, the lack of hesitancy that a lot of our peers have towards throwing all of their uh, money details out there for the Twitter That's world to see. Totally. Um, and it's interesting, it's, uh, here's a quick anecdote. Um, so for the first year and a half of writing on the blog, I completely avoided sharing any Your substantial numbers. personal finance numbers. Mm-hmm. I didn't share my salary, which I still really haven't. I didn't share my net worth, which now I, I kind of sort of have. Uh I didn't share my, you know, how much money I had in my 401k, how much was in my Roth IRA, et cetera, et cetera. Mainly because I knew that a lot of my friends, a lot of my family, a lot of my coworkers, a lot of close people in my life read my blog and I didn't want to a create, I didn't really want to create any negative feelings uh, around how much money I had. I didn't want people to say, oh my gosh, I, I feel bad. I feel behind. I didn't want people to feel necessarily maybe like I was privileged because um, I'm very aware of the ways in which I am privileged uh, but I was maybe a little bit worried whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, that people might say, oh, freaking Jesse's so lucky and look at him over here. Now he's bragging about it. He's bragging it. Doesn't he realize how privileged he is and he's bragging? So there's just all these things running through my mind. And then eventually I think I realized that a lot of other people find a healthy way to say, this is how much what my net worth currently is and here's how I got here. And I think if you did this, you might find success too. And that's the kind of the tone that I've tried to take Justin. And I, I think it's been working pretty well.
1: Yeah. You know, I, th- I think we had just have to realize, you know, within the digital space that we have, right. Um, that it's still our own product. Um, you know, when I started this podcast, I I was very fearful of just exposing myself, you know, I at, at a point I didn't put up my photo, I didn't disclose my name and, you know, I just realized the more reps I did upon the podcast and meeting folks like yourself, it's just like. I'm just a person, and you know, I have to carry that with me. Um, you know, and, and similarly, I had the same remarks about you know insecurities of putting my numbers out there, and I haven't, you know, fully completely did. But you know, there's still nuances to it where I'm I'm okay to share. Um, but I think to your point, it's just like you know, even if whether it be a stranger or even a, a close family member that does find it indirectly and resonates with it, I think that's the win. Um, and because it's 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 your product in, in in the case of the blog and and the podcast, man, like that that that's your own benefit, right? It's it's your story to tell,
0: right? That's exactly right. Um, and I, I I think I would say I even know that it helped me resonate with more people. Yeah, that that first article that I put out, it it happened to be one that I published with CNBC because the CNBC yeah. editor said, hey, Jesse, this article's good. good. You, you tell us the steps that you've taken in six years to go from in college debt to a better place. But no offense, Jesse, you didn't tell us what that better place is. And unless you tell us kind of where you stand right now, not only would no one read it, but because no one would read it, we're not going to publish it. It's not like they were trying to strong arm me, but they just said our readers want to know where you stand. And I listened to the editor, I decided to suck it up and and publish my numbers, and not only was it good for CNBC, but so many of my regular readers kind of came forward and said whoa. Now that we kind of realize what these ideas did for you, these ideas being budgeting index fund investing maxing out my 401k once we realized how these how well these have worked for you all of a sudden now i'm a lot more motivated to pursue them myself. And that that kind of clicked with me and I, I realized how how helpful it was for them
1: know, yeah, i'm gonna make a comment to that jesse I, I think that's just validation right it's validation that you know you took the risk it's resonating um i do want to read one of the tweets that i did i know this is a shameless plug but I'm no do, please go i'm for gonna it. do it um because i felt like you know what you said you know kind of aligns with this and i really hope it aligns with everybody else so um i wrote on twitter that create the content that inspires others to finish their own journey and not someone else's race. Because I think there's this comparison component where it's like, oh man, Jesse did all this, right? And like, I can't do that. And it's like, you have to use his blog, his podcast, other voices on, on Money Twitter or on Instagram, whatever the medium is to finish your own race. You know, the pace may be different, the road may be different, but there's still an element of your own path to complete. Right. You never compare it to anybody else's.
0: Right, now that that hits the nail right on the head. Um, and it's 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 a great sentiment that is one one reason why I think we we might see that sentiment a lot is because of how easy it is to forget Justin. And it is good to see that reminder out there. And one of my favorite types of feedback, I recently posted an article that was thirty one lessons in thirty one years because I turned thirty one years old in March. And some of my favorite feedback from that was, "Hey, Jesse, this one lesson stuck out to me so much. And it, it was people looking at that article and saying, I'm gonna take this one little thing from Jesse's journey. I'm not running Jesse's race, but I'm gonna apply that to my own journey. Um, and, and I think that's the best we can do. We can say, here are the tools that have helped me get to where I am. And I think some of the tools might help you too. And, and then let people decide which tools they wanna to add to their own tool bag.
1: You know, I think that's perfect, man. And I think what keeps us going and, you know, I can speak for myself here is that if you could reach one stranger with your story, it's worth the reps and, you know, staying up until, you know, nine thirty, ten o'clock at night on the East Coast to right. record a podcast, right? It just keeps you motivated. Like, this is not work. This is very much a passion. And I've always wanted to use that as my North Star to, you know, continue creating content.
0: Resonates with me 100%, Justin. Absolutely. So Justin, I mean, obviously, you and I have both uh, found a lot of gold hiding out in our little corner of money Twitter. But that said, for the listeners, I think it's maybe worth touching on the fact that not all that glitters is necessarily gold. And, you know, there are some other things, some other interesting lessons that I think we've learned and, and we've touched on them a little bit about the fact that at least one that I think of off the top is that when everybody is talking about money, that some people do realize, oh, there might be money to be made here. Mm-hmm. And that kind of has some interesting conflicting incentives. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: I I do. Yeah. And I think with uh, you know, great you know, there's a lot of reward out of it. Um, you know, that that can happen. And I get it. You know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are within the space, right, that they're trying to promote either their service or their product. Um, and that can sometimes um again, right? intentions in place if you're just reading it on uh, you know doom scrolling on your phone it may come across a certain way right um so you know there's i think there's a fine balance of like putting out content that resonate with you as an individual and also simultaneously promoting your service and product right
0: right now that's a, that's a good way of putting it because at the end of the day i'm there to promote myself yeah. i mean a lot of my reason to be on money twitter is because i write this blog because i have this podcast that i think with the best of intentions i'm trying to help people and being there on twitter allows my readers and my listeners to engage with me and it also allows me to find new readers and new listeners and grow my business you know all about growing my business and i do think a lot of the other people we see on there who you know, use the verb hustle in a very, very positive sense, right? The hustler used to be kind of a purely negative connotation. Recently, there's more of a positive connotation around hustling about grinding about working hard to make some side income. Um, Like you said, a lot of people there are in it for the best intents as well. Uh, And I think maybe one or two people. Well, it's not one or two, but there are maybe one or 2% of people who are really in it to make a quick buck. Maybe sometimes trying to poach on some newer folks around who who don't don't know what they're doing, Um, but that said, I think it's it's a the good outweighs the bad by by a long shot.
1: Yeah, and I think you know if if you're a consumer and you know not you know really engaging money Twitter in in you know either to promote, I I think you know you just have to treat yourself as a consumer, right? You know, buyer beware, right? I think there's an element of. You know, if, if you're putting your faith and vulnerability into an individual's product or service, you want to vet it out, connect with them, um, see how it works, um, just because not everything is going to be a necessarily a fit, right? Um, there are a ton of books and programs that I've bought in the past that I probably don't utilize anymore, right? Did it fulfill me at the time? Sure. But, um, you know, I think, it, you know, as consumers, we have to be mindful of that, where it's it, at the end of the day, it is kind of recycled information. You know, it's really what the value component of, of of the style of the product or service is really the individual that created it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think you know if you're going to buy a product or service, you got to vet it out and make sure it's a fit for you.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a good way of putting it. Um, I know when I started on Money Twitter, I came in and was pretty much only uh, connected with other bloggers. Mm-hmm. And I know there was a bit of a blo- bloggers tended to turn a cold shoulder towards Gumroad. Mm. And you know, for the listeners who aren't aware, Gumroad is a website that allows you to upload your digital content. So it could be a song, it could be a movie. Most frequently, it's a document like a book. And then you can sell that content to uh, customers, to consumers. And so a lot of folks on Twitter use Gumroad to say, hey. I am. A, I'm an expert on how to play the flute, and I wrote this book about how to play the flute. And now I'm selling it to my flute fans on flute fans, flute fans <laughs> <laughs> on Gumroad, uh, and money Twitter. That tends to be the topics tend to be you know how to invest, how to invest in Bitcoin, how to invest in stocks, those kind of things. Um, and so the blogging community tended to look down upon that because. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe bloggers thought of themselves as more, you know, more holy than that. I'm not exactly sure, um, but I I do recognize that there might be, there is a slippery slope from genuine content on Gumroad that really is unique and helpful and worth the sticker price, and the slope kind of slips down to recycled content that might be marked up beyond anything you'd ever find in a bookstore. And might not even be as helpful as the stuff you'd just find for free on Investopedia. So it is, maybe there's a bit of a buyer beware and, um, and just, you know, try to, try to research before you pull the trigger.
1: Yeah. And again, it goes back to, you know, my initial point. It's just like, you know, if you're scrolling through, I'm going to just use like Amazon as an example and you see Mm -hmm. 20,000 reviews and you're just buying it just because of the hype of it. um, Then, you know, all power to you kind of thing. I think it's an element of, Because I think, you know, I think it's the psychological thing and I'm always into this kind of, that kind of stuff, man, where it's like, you're continually scrolling positive things and you have this one individual that has a high follower count and, you know, they're promoting their product or service. There's a, there's a trust factor that automatically gets defaulted. I feel. And Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're in a vulnerable spot where you, you said, yes, I connect with that. I need to make a change. I need to get my finances in order. They have a book about it. Like, you know, do some research, right? Look, uh reviews online you know i I think as someone that works in the you know technology and internet space you know like i'm always kind (laughs) of cautious Right. um there's always something and i think you know there's definitely some good content out there but there's also some mediocre content out there i think you just have to be cautious of that and you know uh as a buyer as a consumer what is the right dollar price that resonates with you (laughs) right right um because i've seen courses that are you know hundreds of dollars and ebooks that are free right where i've gained great insight from like a free ebook where I want to actually give and donate money to that author um, and feel like, you know, they're losing out on a premium. Right. So I, you know, I think it's just a matter of that, but I think, you know, going back to the positive notion of the platform, I think it's just a matter of, you know, it is what you consume, right. If, if you want to, you know, have folks that just lift you up throughout the day um, maybe you're not contributing to the narrative, but you know, it's just, you know, accounts that, you know, are producing good content that's probably a good, you know, at least a decent sign for, you know, at least a half decent product for them to invest in.
0: Right. Right. Uh, yep. No, that's, that's a, that's a good, that's a good thought to end on Justin. What
1: are your thoughts on uh,
0: switching over to some rapid fire questions?
1: Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this. I'm ready okay.
0: For this. Got your answers lined up. Mm-hmm. You might know what a few of them are based on previous podcast episodes. We're going to start Justin with uh, what is the S and P 500 going to do in the next year?
1: Well, considering you know, on Friday, April sixteenth, we're at an all-time high. <laughs> um, you know, I I personally feel, at least for um, you know within the next year, I mean, we still have you know probably what eight months left. Um, I feel we're going to be you know slightly higher. Um, I don't, I not not to levels that we're on now, but like I don't think we're going to have the same type of bull run from a percentage wise that we had in twenty twenty. Um, I think there's still a lot of inflationary, you know, um, speculation out there that might calm things down, you know, at mid to late of this Q2. Um, even though we're, you know, hopefully getting out of the pandemic and the economy is going to boost again, I think there's still this inflationary risk just because of all this monetary um, pump <laughs> that, mm-hmm. we're, that we're getting within the economy. So, um, yeah, I think that that inflation uh, scare scare is going to, you know, kind of tone Okay. matters and growth some of the growth down
0: so okay okay yep i like it um you might know you might know i'm i'm predicting that uh some of the enthusiasm is already priced in yeah what and, was the
1: term uh, you used on brandon's podcast it was like uh um
0: exuberance exuberance, uh, exuberance. That's, was it exuberance it was exuberance okay yeah. <laughs> right i mean it so I it's false
1: exuberance That's there might be there. There. there
0: might be some false exuberance I mean, everything right now, everybody is so enthusiastic about stocks, whether it's professionals who are looking at economic statistics and are looking at the fiscal stimulus and are looking at all these, you know, quote unquote, professional analytics and they're buying stocks, or whether it is the retail investors like you and me mm-hmm. who maybe maybe have some stimulus money or maybe have been reading Wall Street bets, or maybe are reading the best interest blog and they right. say, I'm going to buy stocks. So there's all this demand, all this money is flooding in and I'm just worried it's going to take, you know, not that big
1: of a hiccup
0: for things to revert to the mean. And and that's going to mean some sort of drop.
1: Yeah. I think simultaneous with that, again, we're recording on Friday in April. Um, you know, everyone's talking about Dogecoin to the moon, man. It's, <laughs>
0: it's, it's like, if, I mean, sign of the times, sign of the times.
1: Crazy, man.
0: Yeah. I, it, it it is wild out there. Bitcoin, <laughs> NFTs, SPACs. There's a ton of money sloshing around. I uh, just listened to a great podcast yesterday with a bunch of the professionals over at Ritholtz Wealth Management talking about the Coinbase IPO, mm, yep. Coinbase initial initial public offering, and just kind of where they see that going. The bull case, the bear case. Um, I'll I'll let. Listeners listen to that if they want to. But one of the things they walked away with is just saying there's a ton of money sloshing around out there and it feels a little strange. It feels a little strange potentially. Um,
1: and frankly, I don't think we've had an era within our financial system where we've had so many new products and investment, you know, avenues to turn to, you know, outside of the traditional, you know, commodities, mm -hmm. real estate, stocks and bonds, uh, foreign exchange. You know, there's so many options now where it, it almost seems so speculative. Um, I'm still very much your boring traditional index fund investor. Um, so, And I have dabbled in, in some Bitcoin specifically. I, I will be having a Bitcoin uh, podcast episode soon. So um, I'll shamelessly plug that. Very but still, cool. I think, yeah. Um, I think there's, you know, still, yeah, to your, to your words, you know, <laughs> a lot of money sloshing around in the economy right now.
0: What is the last material object? Or personal luxury that you spent a hundred dollars or more on.
1: Um, I wouldn't consider diapers. Um, one, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for real, the um, we actually recently booked a uh, a trip, um, for the family and us. So that's, uh, I will share that airline prices are getting pretty high now.
0: Uh, they're okay. definitely
1: baking in the demand. Um, so flying a family of four where. It was super cheap last year. It is definitely not cheap. So gotcha. Um, yeah, all the new, all the families out there with children, you know, try it if you're if they're if you have kids under two, take advantage of the flights that you can. Okay. Um, just as an FYI. Where
0: where where are you guys headed?
1: Uh, we'll be taking a trip down to the Florida, um, uh, uh, South Florida uh, area awesome. uh, sometime in the summer just to get away. So
0: awesome! I I just heard a, a podcast. I think it was on a podcast. It must have been uh about how some of the ancillary expenditures that have to do with travel are also going up oh my like God, man. one like whether it's uh hotel rooms or uh rental cars i guess a lot of the rental companies basically sold their cars tried to sell their cars uh their inventory early in the pandemic simply mm-hmm. to make ends meet and now with travel booming some of them simply don't have the supply of cars to meet the demand And the price is going up so it'll be interesting to see the ways in which the it just makes me think of the economy is kind of like a yo-yo right and and things kind of move based on laws of supply and demand and uh not everything has settled out by by a long shot and so it'll be interesting over the coming months and maybe even years to kind of see some of the ripple effects as as COVID 19 settles out no um well i hope you guys have fun in Florida, and that, that might actually answer my second question, but feel free to give another answer. What's your end of pandemic celebration going to look like?
1: Oh, yeah, I, I, I've been preparing for this question. Um, <laughs> after listening to Brandon, um, <laughs> so at least end of pandemic, uh, it would be a you know, a glorious dinner uh, with my wife or you know, uh, my family and friends. Um, probably we'll do the wife first, so um, you know, I think. We're big, you know, foodies, like I think they're, you know, prior to obviously us having kids, we really took advantage of the Chicago dining scene. Um, So it's going to be a really nice dinner.
0: Cool. I know there's the one uh, Chicago restaurant that you might already know what one I'm talking about, but I I wish I remembered the name, Justin, but I know it's been on, you know, there's been a Netflix uh, episode of some special food show about it. Alinea. Yes, it is Alinea that see, I, you know, I assume when outsiders say, oh, there's that one Chicago restaurant, maybe you might know. Yes, Alinea. Yeah, have you, have uh, you been to Alinea before?
1: We have. Um, it is uh, the only three Michelin star dining restaurant in Chicago by Chef Grant Achatz and Nick Akonis. Um they have a episode on Netflix at Chef's Table season 2 I believe episode 1 shows how much dedication I have to food um <laughs> but uh yeah it was actually to break up a linea it was our first meal prior to or actually our celebration meal when we found out we were pregnant with our first first child so um it was definitely an experience probably a 4 hour dinner um and it was amazing man.
0: Not only does that sound amazing, Justin, but I want all the listeners to know that there was zero preparation that went into that question beforehand. <laughs> and that was Justin completely going off the top off of the his dump. head yeah. with, you are a foodie, Justin. That is awesome.
1: I It's the uh, other guilty pleasure I have, just because...
0: That is so cool. That is so cool. Well, then I'm extremely excited to hear the answer to the next question. These segues have been amazing because the next speed round question as all the listeners know is what is your go-to for a simple and delicious meal bonus points if you cook it yourself?
1: Oh, well, I already have the bonus points. Um, so yeah, we, I, as, as, as you heard, I'm uh, big into food. Um, I've also, you know, try to dabble at home and, you know, be a chef, but, um, It's pretty much a weekly staple. Um, I actually learned this recipe from my older brother. Um, It is a salmon dish that uh, we cook skin side down to crisp up um, and allow just like the eminent heat to kind of cook more of the the meat and the protein. And then I make um, kind of an Asian glaze, which is hoisin, mirin, a little sake, and a little bit of sesame oil, uh, and a little bit of soy all mixed in, a little bit of sugar. um, And then I glaze it kind of like a barbecue sauce. Um, once it all because of their sugar in there, it starts to really like kind of crisp up at the bottom, and then I throw it in the broiler um, to crisp up the top, um, and then serve that with some rice, some steamed vegetables, and some green onion. So
0: that sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. And the question was a simple and delicious meal. And not only does it sound delicious, <laughs> it but is simple. The, the way I was, the way you describe it, it does sound simple. I worry that if I were to try it, it would not be simple, but that sounds amazing, simple and delicious.
1: <laughs> I will tell you, dude. It is uh, the element of cooking is that everyone gets so intimidated by the cooking piece itself. Eighty percent of the work that you do is just the preparation, right? The cutting, okay. of the, the, as chefs would call it, the mise en place. So it's all of it is yes. you know the, the cutting of the vegetables, the preparation of your sauces. I really feel <laughs> I'm going to bring it back to money. It's like budgeting. As long as you prep and just allow yourself to like know what to expect. The execution of it is easy.
0: <laughs> right. At
1: least you have a, an idea, right? And then everything else is just the technique to get it done.
0: So. That was an amazing, amazing analogy. <laughs> amazing analogy. <laughs> um, what is one good habit you're trying to form or a bad habit you're trying to break?
1: Good habit I'm trying to form is the 5 a.m. wake up call. Um, I think for me, you know, I've read a lot and listened to like uh, like Jocko, uh, Jocko Wilco, who's, um, uh, another great podcaster. Um, he is an old army veteran. He talks, he always on his Instagram and on his Twitter, he always has a picture of his watch at four 30 in the morning. I don't have that grace. So I always go to five. Um, but essentially what I, I talked about in a podcast is that, um, for your listeners out there, especially if you're just trying to find time and take it from me as a father, as a husband, um, you're always going to try to be selfish with your time. Um, and I think that, uh, that 5 a.m. wake up call, which is a habit, um, is to, you know, I have a gratitude journal, I do my morning routine, I do a workout, um, do a little bit of work, and then I'm prepared for the day. Um, and I think that's very important to have, and I'm trying to be better at least doing that consistently every day because if I don't do that routine, I feel like I'm catching up to everybody else, uh, whether it be work, trying to be there as a, as a father or a husband. Um, there's a lot of elements there. So that that 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. time is my selfish time where I can ingest it in me to provide for others.
0: So. That is a really cool answer, Justin. And it makes me think of two things. The first one is that if you don't know him, I'd be happy to introduce you to 5 a.m. Joel, yes,
1: who, I is, would love an intro.
0: <laughs> who was here on the podcast earlier and is an awesome guy. Speaking of boundless enthusiasm, Joel's Joel's enthusiasm blows me away. Great person to know. And Basically wakes up at five a.m. every day, um, but the way you described your kind of the the routine and the gratitude journal, I was curious if you're familiar with a book called The Miracle Morning by Hale Elrod.
1: Oh, that is so. Uh, two things I will take you up on.
0: <laughs> so the the book, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll give my my honest review of the book is, you know, good, not great, nothing against Hale Elrod. Uh, he reminds me of some of our friends on Money Twitter with his boundless optimism. Um, he kind of drifts a little bit into the uh, kind of the self-actualization affirmation into reality uh, uh, landscape, which is something where I I personally, just personally, I kind of lose it at, at some of those ideas where you can kind of speak your way into something becoming Substance. real. Right. Um, I'm all for... Uh, self affirmations to make yourself feel better and to build up your own self esteem. I I totally get that from a psychological point of view. But I think you know, Hal is maybe one of those people who takes it a step further and says, like, no, 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 you kind of you, you mess with the universe a little bit when you self affirm yourself. And uh, you can change the nature of reality. So he lost me a little bit there. But his miracle morning is one hour, six activities, 10 minutes each, That to start your day with. And I forget all six, but it's journaling, uh, journaling, drinking a hot cup of something, exercise, self affirmations, reading, meditation, that those might be the six. And I think it's a great way to start the day.
1: Yeah, I've admired 5am Joel from afar, man, Uh, you know, I've listened to him as as a guest on, you know, like how to money and you know, other podcasts. And I think, you know, his message, you know, definitely resonates, I think. Um, for those fathers out there that are still trying to, you know, gather their whole perspective and, and try to you know, improve their lives. I think that morning routine definitely pays more dividends than you, you know, and I would encourage everybody. Um, you don't have to be a dad. I think anybody else that is trying to find time, um, that is your time, you know, try to make it a habit.
0: Cool. Cool. And I apologize. I'm the one slowing down the speed round here with, with these thoughts. <laughs> I feel that like I am, dude. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's me. It's because your, your great answers are making me think of things. And then I'm selfishly choosing to hog the microphone. But I do have one last question for you, Justin. And it's uh, what message would you put on a billboard to share with the world? What would you say?
1: It would be in all caps, Jesse. And it would say comparison is the thief of joy.
0: Boom. Is that where we drop the microphones and just shut the thing down?
1: I, I think so. Just <laughs> let it burn in flames, man.
0: <laughs> Justin, that is a great one. I can't thank you enough for spending your Friday night here on the best interest podcast. I'm really appreciative. That was a fantastic conversation. Can't thank you enough.
1: And, and Jesse, man, th- thanks again. And I, I do, I do want to promote the fact that, you know, we're both podcasters. We're still trying to figure this thing out. I, I think there's an element of... um you know we, we we were strangers that we found each other on the internet and for me someone from chicago meeting someone from you know upstate new york and sharing the same ideals uh, dude you're doing a great thing man so i love it
0: right back at you right back at you so justin if people want to reach out to you real quick how can they do that
1: yeah so i'm on uh, two social platforms i'm at uh, on twitter at um, at road to wealth pod pod um that very straightforward. I recently changed that. So it's a little easier on the tongue. Um, and then I recently joined Instagram, um, at road to wealth podcast. Uh, you could follow me uh, on there and, uh, yeah, please check out, uh, the road to wealth podcast. It's going to be available on all pod- podcast platforms. Um, you know, we're going to get Jesse on in the near future as well to talk about a few topics. Uh, but, uh, just very uh, blessed and, um, you know, just blessed to be on here, man
0: excellent the road to wealth podcast i'm excited to be on in the near future let me know justin thank you again great to talk to you all right thanks jesse all right another huge thank you to justin i recommend checking in with justin on twitter and on instagram to follow his work on twitter he's at road to wealth pod and on Instagram, Road to Wealth Podcast. Or you can check out your personal podcast app and find the Road to Wealth Podcast on there. Listeners, I love answering your questions, and in the future, I'd be happy to make my guests help me out in that task. If you want to send in your questions, you can email them to me, jesse at bestinterest.blog, or you can message me on Twitter, I'm at bestinterest underscore jc. Or there's now a third option. If you go to the podcast page on the blog, I now have this handy little tool called SpeakPipe that allows you to record your questions to hear them live on air.
1: Hey, Jesse, is Jay from Florida. I just wanted to tell you, man, I think you're crushing it. Great job. Love your show. I can't wait till the next episode. Thanks a lot.
0: Jay, I can't thank you enough for the support and for being the first person to submit a SpeakPipe message. So listeners, I hope you follow Jay's Lead and send me your questions through the SpeakPipe app that's on the blog if you go to the podcast page. And if you guys keep listening, I will keep producing. It's a happy little relationship we have. And you know the usual drill. The best interest, it is a small and growing business, and it does help my business out when you listen, when you leave a rating and review of the podcast, or when you subscribe. So if you find this valuable, and if you want to give back, That's how you can do it. And the best part is, it's all free for you. Absolutely free. We can continue to invest in one another because, as Ben Franklin said, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Sharing with others is investing in their knowledge. So thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode number 11 of the Best Interest Podcast.